The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams with me today. She is a board-certified neurologist and fellowship-trained multiple sclerosis specialist. She serves as the founder and CEO of the Joy Life Wellness Group Multiple Sclerosis Center in Smyrna, Georgia. Dr. Mitzi is one of my favorite MS neurologists because she educates on simple lifestyle changes that are available to all of us that make a big impact on common symptoms like spasticity, fatigue, and mobility. On today's episode, we're diving into the ins and outs of spasticity. You'll finish this episode feeling prepared with actionable steps to improve your mobility and muscle tightness. Dr. Mitzi, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you about spasticity because so many of my clients and even people following me on social media will ask me about spasticity. And of course, there are exercises and stretches that can be done, but oftentimes it's so much more than that. So I'm excited to dive into all of my questions for you on what it is, how it compares to muscle tightness, how to treat it. But before we do that, is it okay if I ask you a question from my interview deck to help our listeners get to know you a bit better? Absolutely. Ask away. All right. I'm shuffling over here. Your question is, would you choose a shorter life and be super rich or a longer life somewhat poor? I think I would choose a longer life and somewhat poor because as I get older, the thing I value most in my life is relationships and spending time with people. And so I would love to have more time to spend with the people that I love and care about. I love that. And relationships are free. You don't need any money. Absolutely. They are absolutely free. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Okay. So I think we should first start off with basics because there are a decent amount of people with MS who might not even know what spasticity is or what it feels like. So can you explain what it is and how someone might know if they have it? Absolutely. So spasticity is really kind of a mix up of the connections between the brain and the muscles. So we know with multiple sclerosis that the central nervous system, the brain, the spinal cord, the nerves are damaged there, the coating of the nerves, and that nerve damage can result in a variety of symptoms. Spasticity is one of those symptoms that comes from what we call upper motor neuron or central nervous system problems. And basically it is a mixed signal where muscles should be relaxing, but instead of relaxing, they are contracting, right? And oftentimes that can cause different symptoms such as pain. 
Now, someone can know they have spasticity um, because spasticity comes in a couple of different flavors, as I like to say. So one of those is tightness. So some people will say it feels tight like a rubber band is on my leg or on my arm or like something is squeezing. That's where the MS hug comes from, even though it's not a pleasant hug, but it's a tightness or squeezing from the muscles are contracting when they're not supposed to. For some people, it can be like a tiredness, like they have been doing a lot of exercise and there's kind of a tiredness there, but they haven't been doing exercise. And then for some people, it can actually be like a physical movement of the muscle where it can jerk. So spasticity can be kind of a jerking. It can be kind of a feeling of tiredness, like someone's been working out, but they haven't, or it can be, you know, a squeezing or like a cramping sensation. And so all those things are forms of spasticity. Interesting. You just reminded me of something when you used the word jerking. I have had not a ton, but a few clients in the past where it presents more as like tremors. And sometimes it's like full body tremors. Other times it's just in their arms or legs. So is that a form of spasticity as well? So it can be. People feel like a vibrating sensation, like a cell phone or something is on, except they don't have one that's buzzing in their pockets. So sometimes it can also manifest as kind of a vibrating or um, shaking sensation. Usually it's not a physical tremor because people with MS can also have physical tremors, which is caused by other damage, but it's like an internal feeling that they have. Gotcha. Sometimes I get that feeling of vibrating near my belly as if my phone's going off, but it's actually just hunger. <laughs> that happens more than <laughs> hunger like does that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so wow. Spasticity can present in so many different ways. Most of the time, I feel like people usually will just stretch it out. Is mm -hmm. that the best technique or what's the first thing someone should do to try to manage this when they first feel any of those symptoms? So absolutely. The first thing is you have to recognize it, right? So a lot of people don't know what it is and they're like, oh, that's spasticity. I didn't know what that was. I thought I just needed to eat more bananas or potassium or something like that. So I think recognizing that it's a symptom of the MS is, is first and foremost important. I think the next thing is observing what conditions make it better or worse, right? So everyone with MS is different. And so for some people, cold weather can make spasticity worse. Warm weather can make it worse. And so kind of observing when it happens the most, if it's coming and going, and then if it's there all the time when it's the worst. In terms of what we do about it, absolutely. Exercise and stretching is the first line of defense, right? We want people incorporating some type of regular stretching routine into their daily life in morning, at night, whatever that looks like. And then also, you know, there are sometimes other agents that are used such as medications or even topical agents that can help with spasticity as well. So when it comes to the exercising, is it better to exercise throughout the day to reduce spasticity or all at once, or does it not matter? So I think it really is very individualized, right? You know, so spasticity is one of those symptoms where we have to walk a very tight line because if we don't do enough, it can be worse, right? So if you're not moving, it can be worse. But then if you do too much, you could also make it worse, right? So you have to kind of get a sense for what that threshold is for that person. So for some people, a simple five or 10 minute stretch in the morning and maybe five or 10 minutes at night may be great for them. People can incorporate regular yoga practices into their daily life. I recommend that as well. For some people, that's 10 minutes. For some people, they could do 30 or 40 minutes. 
you know, but usually I recommend you start with a little bit and then work your way up. So starting with a little bit of exercise and stretching and then kind of increasing as tolerated is the best approach, I think, where that's concerned. Awesome. I like that. How long would someone expect to start to see a difference? Would it be immediate? Does it take a few weeks or a few months? So I think you notice small changes immediately, right? Because when you stretch muscles, you know, you do notice that they feel a little bit looser, but I think really to get the full effect of it, it really takes being consistent at least over a couple of weeks, even to a couple of months to really kind of get the full benefit of it. Gotcha. So then at what point as a neurologist, at what point would you say, okay, you're not noticing a ton of a difference with just what you're doing with exercise and movement and stretching. So let's try something else. And maybe that would be a medication or something, some other sort of therapy. Yes. So that's an excellent question. And a lot of times we're doing things at multiple times, right? So sometimes people will come in to see me and it will be really severe, the tightness. They won't be able to sleep at night and things like that. So if it is severe kind of from the presentation, then oftentimes we'll do a combination of medicines, at least as needed, plus the stretching. And then we may kind of be able to back down off of the medicines once they get into that routine. But sometimes it's doing multiple things at one time. Other times I will have someone let's say the symptoms are mild and they notice them after a long day of activity, then we may say, let's do some stretching for a couple of weeks and then come back and see me in like six to eight weeks. And if things have not improved, then we'll add on a medication. So, you know, it really, it just depends on the severity when they see me, if we do multiple things at one time and then maybe back off on one, or if we just do the exercise intervention first and then go to medications. Okay. And I recently received a question from one of my Missing Link members who was saying that she has spasticity, but not all the time. And she was asking me, and I wasn't sure what the answer was, but she was asking, is it okay to take, in this case, it was baclofen, but to take it as needed. Like if she knows she's going to do something that's going to increase her spasticity, or she knows it's going to be cold out and that increases it, can she take it as needed or should it be on a specific schedule? Absolutely. So, you know, I always recommend someone consult their regular, you know, neurologist or doctor who's managing that for specific recommendations. But many of our antispasticity medicines can be taken on an as needed basis. So I have many patients who come in and they say it only gets bad when I'm going to work out, you know, and we can just come up with a plan where we say, okay, well, if we know you're going to work out, we take this before or we take this afterwards. You know, if there are certain times of the month where things get worse or certain, you know, conditions, again, that's the importance of knowing your body and what circumstances make it better or worse, then we can do that approach where we do the medicine as needed and we don't have to do it every day. And are those medications also given, you briefly mentioned the MS hug earlier, is that Mm -hmm. treated as if it is spasticity? So yes, so that's treated as spasticity. So we use anti-spasticity or muscle relaxants to treat that symptom as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that's MS hug is a tough one. I have some clients who do feel better with, with some movement, but there's so, so many of my clients who have the MS hug, there's just not much that they can do to reduce it other than medication, which isn't yeah. always the answer people want to hear, but yeah, that's the tough part. So, so yeah. that, but obviously because the symptoms in your trunk are not as easy to stretch out as an arm or a leg, you know, so you can't get quite as specific with that part of the body as you can with, you know, arms, leg, your neck, your back, et cetera. 
Mm -hmm. Can you share at what point you would start working down more, I don't know if intense is the right word, but more intense forms of therapy. Like we have Botox versus baclofen Mm -hmm. or any of the other oral medications. Then there's also the baclofen pump. At what point Mm -hmm. do you start thinking about those other options? Yeah. So, you know, again, it depends on the severity of the spasticity and how much it interferes with daily life. For example, some people will have severe spasticity in one extremity and it may also be weak. And so in that case is they may develop something called a contracture where basically that part is very difficult to move. And so in those cases, Botox can be very helpful if we have specific areas that are very tight and difficult to move, we can loosen those areas with Botox and kind of improve the movement in those areas. Botox is really more for a specific function that we're trying to do, like open a hand, right? So we can clean in there or stretch out a leg so it'd be easier to move around. It's not something that we can really give for the whole body all the time. Now, in terms of pumps, intrathecal pumps, which are implanted under the skin, and then there's a catheter that goes around to the spinal cord area and delivers a very small amount of medicine to a directed area, can be useful for people who let's say have reached the maximum dose of their medications, like let's say a baclofen, and they're not really getting the benefit. And so we run into, if we're just giving you all of this medicine, you're going to have drowsiness and other types of side effects. So are there other things that we can do to deliver smaller amounts of medicine where we don't have to make you sleepy or affect your whole body, but give you a little bit more of that relief so that you can move your extremities. So that's where baclofen pumps come in, or even sometimes, you know, localized injections. So oftentimes it's a collaborative approach with the neurologist. We often will involve, of course, our physical therapists. Also, sometimes physical medicine and rehab physicians will help us with this. And then if we need pumps, then, you know, usually our neurosurgeons can kind of weigh in. And before any type of intervention like a pump is done, there's a test dose to make sure that it works, right? So they test it first before we would implant any kind of device in somebody. And if that test dose or that trial run works, then you probably are a good candidate for that type of procedure. Yeah, that makes sense. It's such a smart idea to do that test dose because it's a pretty Mm -hmm. big surgery. You wouldn't want to do that and then hope like, oh, it didn't work. Yeah. You got to test first. You got to do the test. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't benefit from that. You're probably not going to benefit from the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you see someone takes, whether again, it's a medication or the Botox, and then they do have weakness afterwards because they may have been using that tightness to hold themselves up? We usually try to account for that, right? So Mm -hmm. basically, you know, you need some of that stiffness if someone has weakness to stand. So we don't want to make you too loose, but we want to decrease some of the stiffness because we don't want you in pain and not able to move at all. So oftentimes with baclofen pumps, we have to manage the dosage very carefully. And sometimes people just need a very, very small dose to be able to function. And so we have to adjust that dosing to be able to make sure that we walk that line where there's some stiffness to be able to support yourself, but not so much that it's really painful. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I feel a lot of people with MS who get any form of therapy for spasticity would feel that stiffness and they might say, well, it didn't work. I'm still stiff. So I think that's a really great expectation that, Hey, you might still feel a little bit of stiffness, but that doesn't mean it didn't work. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So 
we have to be very clear about goal setting, particularly with procedures like that, to make sure we understand that we've got to keep some of that stiffness because we don't want you to be like a noodle, so to speak. But we do want to try to reduce some of it so that it's not painful and so you're able to get around a little bit better and it doesn't interfere as much with the daily lifestyle. Right. Okay. So we've got physical therapy and stretching and exercising in addition to some more medicinal type therapies. Are there Mm -hmm. any other general lifestyle modifications that could help with spasticity? So, yeah. So I love topical things. You know, so sometimes people are not interested in medication, so to speak. So topical agents can be very helpful for some people, things like Icy Hot. I'm a big fan of Tiger Balm, (laughs) which you can get on Amazon at CVS, you know, but there are different types of agents that you can use to help kind of relax the muscles that are topical. You don't have to ingest them. Also the use of heat and cold, depending on which one works better for you. I'm a heat person in terms of using like heating packs and things like that. I think also, you know, being aware of, again, those conditions which make the symptoms worse. So for some people, it's making sure we cover up really well when it's cool outside because that cold can trigger, you know, or making sure that we have cooling equipment if we're outside in the summer, you know, so those are often lifestyle adjustments. And then kind of knowing your limits, you know, if you need some type of assistive device to walk long distances, don't try to, you know, tough it out, so to speak. Use the assistance so that the spasticity doesn't get so bad, you know, that you can't sleep at night after you've been out enjoying yourself during the day. So being conscious of all of those things and using, employing all the different tools that you have can be very helpful. And what about things like sleep or even hydration, stress, you know, do those things play a huge role or is it helpful, but it's not the main changes that you should be making? So again, it's very individualized. So stress reduction, stress can really affect a lot of MS symptoms Uh, for many of my patients can cause what we call pseudo relapses, where it feels like your symptoms are worse, like a relapse, but it's really kind of triggered by stressful, emotionally stressful situations. So stress reduction definitely helps make a difference. And then of course, using whatever support networks you have available. Sometimes it's seeing a therapist, all of those things. Also diet can affect symptoms for some people. So eating a healthy, well-balanced diet, and then of course, exercising. And oftentimes aquatics therapy does really well, particularly for my patients that are, that are pretty stiff because they can move around pretty good in the water. So yeah, I love aquatic therapy. Mm. It requires such a different level of moving than on land therapy, even just with balancing is totally different in the water versus on land. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. This has been so insightful. And I think it also will give people a lot of hope because there's so many options and you can just start with one. Of course, it's not like you need to do all of the strategies that you learned in this episode, but there's lots of different ways to improve these symptoms. So Oh, this has been so helpful. If people do want to find you or work with you, learn more, where can they do that? Absolutely. So I am the medical director of Joy Life Wellness Group. It's a MS center in Smyrna, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. I do see patients in person several days a week. I'm also online. I'm the nerdy neurologist is spelled exactly how it sounds, but the nerdy neurologist, I can be found on Facebook. I've got a YouTube channel and we do a podcast called brain chat with the nerdy neurologist every other Monday. And uh, that's a Facebook live series that's converted to a podcast. And you have come on our podcast before we had a great time when you were on. 
So all of that. And then I also um, just released a new book called You Can Live Well with MS, which has a lot of tips about lifestyle modification and some of the things we discussed today. So people can check that out on Amazon. Yeah. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes, including the book. I didn't know about the book. Congratulations. Yeah. I just released a new book. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very exciting. Thinking about a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, so Mm -hmm. just trying to distill that so people know that they can, they can do something to help themselves. Yeah. There's so many things that we actually do have control over even Mm -hmm. with MS and knowing what those are on hand so that if you experience something, you got a tool right away can be so helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.